0: How y'all doing this morning? Man, shout out to Brooklyn. I know y'all feeling good. 444 came out this week. Most of y'all ain't even on Sprint, but they heard the whole thing. And, you know, it's all right. I know y'all ain't paying that $12.99. Ain't nobody doing all that for a record now. Come on. So even though he, you know what I mean, he might have grew up down the street, but he know how I go. You know what I mean? I got to hear it anyway. So, man, it's my Huge privilege and honor to, um, to come and be here and share the word with you guys this morning. Your, your pastor is, um, I call him my big brother, you know, and I get to steal all his tips and tricks on how to make things look cool and be cool down there in Maryland. And so, man, I'm just honored and privileged to be here for a second time to be able to share the word with you this morning. Is that all right? Um, turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. While you're turning there, I'll give you a quick update. Um, as he said, we're planting a church in Baltimore. It's Epiphany Baltimore, and uh, we, we seek to plant a church in the heart of Baltimore. And so um, we're really excited about what the Lord is doing. If you got friends, family members, cousins, aunts, uncles, whoever that live in Maryland or Baltimore, man, let them know that we're here You can go on Instagram, Facebook, find us. We're at Piff Baltimore. ain't nothing. It ain't that hard. So just look us up. Send people our way. We would love to have you if you're ever down south, that far south. And, um, man, it's just been a wild ride of getting to Baltimore, learning the city, and, and seeing all that the Lord is wanting to do in the city. So it's been a huge privilege for us. Now we're in this kind of weird Bible study phase where we go all over. This summer we're going all over the city. Uh, East Baltimore, Central Baltimore, and then August we'll be in West Baltimore um, uh, doing Bible studies for folks in the city, um, getting the word out and drawing people together to help establish the church. So that's been going good, and we're really excited about what the Lord is doing. Um, so as well, yeah, just continue to pray for us, and uh, if, you, if you think of us, if you see Baltimore in the news, pray for us. Just remember to pray for us. We can't do this without your prayers. And uh, if you want to send a couple dollars, because I know in, in Brooklyn, y'all have just got so much money. And um, if, you are, if you don't want to send a couple dollars down, you know, we, we just like y'all. You can give any way you want, credit card, <laughs> cash, whatever. It ain't no big deal. Um, so, yeah, let me move on before I get stuck on that. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. Now, if you're looking at your Bible, um, you probably see in, in, uh, it says chapter 7, principles for marriage. Listen, I, it's not my intention to get all in your business. If you know anything about this particular passage... He's talking about marriage, and singleness, and singleness, and maybe it's better to stay single. Maybe it's better to get married. Who knows? And I'm not here to get all in your business. Some of y'all probably came here to find a man or a woman. And so you're like, man, this dude coming in here talking about single, I don't know about all that. I'm not here for that, Okay? We're going to the second half of the chapter. (laughs) Skipping all the way over that, because I want you to remember me with good thoughts and tidings. We're going to the second half of the chapter, which I think has something to deal with all of us. Doesn't matter what your relationship status is. And basically it is this, fulfill your calling. Fulfill your calling. Fulfill your calling. So listen, as you look at this chapter or you look at the book of Corinthians, you may know that this is a book that deals with a lot of questions and answers. And the people of Corinth are asking Paul certain questions to deal with the issues of their day and of their church. So it's easy to get overlooked in the hype of what's going on and all the different technical things, an overarching thing that goes beyond, especially in chapter 7, that goes beyond your relationship status, whether you're single or whether you're married. There's an important lesson to be learned, and if you learn it, I think it will bless you, no matter what your life circumstance is or no matter what your particular questions are about your life and about your circumstances. The Corinthian church was genuinely concerned about issues surrounding marriage, and I know many of us are concerned about our relationship statuses. We're wondering how all of this is supposed to get worked out, and Paul is genuinely concerned about that, but... Beyond that, he wants us to think rightly about our lives in totality, not just have quick fixes for particular situations. So it's like this. It's like if you um, you talk to your grandmother, grandfather, old head, whatever you want to call them, you ask him a simple question. Man, listen, how... How, do you, how did you know what to do with your life? Man, I've seen the things that you've done and, and how you've accomplished things. Like, how is it that you knew what it was that you were supposed to do? How did you know that this woman was supposed to be your wife? How did you know that he was the man for you? How did you know that this job or career was the lane for you? And what happens is if they are a true old head, they go into story mode. Well, you see, uh, it started back when I was a young boy. And so you go, man, listen, I ain't want all of that. I just need three steps to finding the right spouse. I don't need all of that. Three plus three equals what? Six. Okay. What's my other three? That's all I need to know. But if you're like, I mean, and we grew up, listen, we done grew up with iPhones and apps and all kind of stuff. So we got an app for everything. But the, the biggest thing we need to act for, we can't get. And we want to act for life, and it never came. And so it's hard for us to kind of decipher when we get into difficult situations or transitionary periods in our life. What should I do if I want to be married? What, what if I'm married and don't want to be married? What if my unbelieving husband wants to divorce me? Should I divorce my drug addict husband? What do I do if I don't love my spouse anymore? These are the kinds of questions Paul is addressing in this particular chapter, but we don't exactly, so we don't know what was asked, but he's answering these questions, and we want simplistic advice, but simplistic advice isn't really what's going to help us. Tips and techniques aren't going to help you in those types of situations. He answers these insights that come, see, listen, Paul, Paul has to kind of stop and zoom out. He goes out like a true old head. He zooms out, but as a gospel-centered man, he says, no, these, answers get, uh, get, these questions get answered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the lessons that we need to learn from this chapter, indeed, the whole book, and actually from the whole Bible, is this. What God has done for us in Jesus is more than enough to guide and empower through any situation that you may face. So some of us have only understood the gospel as the means by which we came to know Jesus. It was the door, not understanding that it's the door, it's the house, it's the street, it's the block, it's the city, it's the world that we live in. So we have this kind of minimalistic view of the gospel, but really it needs to be expanded. So this, if you're trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have everything that you need for anything that you face. So if you're trusting in Jesus, then it doesn't really matter what you have to face. And And if you're not trusting in Jesus, I don't care what you're facing, it don't matter. Because you're not going to find the answer or the solution to your issue. So that's the perspective that the gospel gives, the good news of God, that what he has done for us in Jesus. This is the good news that he gives to those who have been reconciled to him through faith. It is the perspective that informs the general principle that Paul spells out in the middle of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So after writing about sexual intimacy and instructing married Christians, single Christians, and Christians married to unbelievers, Paul pauses to give an underlying principle, an underlying principle to this whole idea, and it is this, fulfill your calling no matter where God assigns you. Fulfill your calling no matter where God assigns you. Those who are trusting in Christ must recognize that God is the one who has called us to faith and the one who has placed us where we are in life. Knowing this enables us to live wholly by his grace and for his, and his glory, no matter what our circumstances might be. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24, hear the word of the Lord. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he was called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the good news of Christ that you did not seek to just leave us to our own desires, but you stepped in and intervened on our behalf and took the punishment that we rightly deserved and sought to bring to bring us your righteousness, making us your righteousness. So Lord, now if we are trusting in Christ now, we we, you don't see us as our sinful, broken selves, but you see us through the lens of Jesus Christ, whole, standing new, new creations. So Lord, we thank you for this time. I pray that the word of God would permeate our hearts, that we would not just be hearers of your words, but doers of your word, that we would leave here better than we... Came, transform us and help us to transform all those that are around us. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So fulfill your calling no matter where God assigns you. So listen to this, and I know this is going to hurt somebody's feelings, but that's okay. My name is Brandon Watts. I'm here every Sunday. You can call me, email me anytime. (laughs) Listen, marriage is important, but it's not ultimate. Singleness is important, but it's not ultimately important. So many of us, man, we are worried and concerned about our relational status. And Paul wants to get out of that kind of mindset and mentality. What is ultimately important is that you live completely, wholeheartedly for Christ in whatever situation you currently find yourself in. Unless the circumstances of your life involves some type of uh, 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 um, sinful activities, you should determine to live for Jesus wherever you are right now. Why? Because God has not only called you to faith, he's not only sought to save you and bring you in to faith in Christ, he has also assigned you to your station in life. So in the verses that I just read, Paul states this principle three times. Three times in that passage, we see this principle of God calling you to your station in life. Then he illustrates it in two different ways. And then we'll look at this general principle in totality. First thing I want you to see is this. Your responsibility as a Christian remains the same regardless of your status. Regardless of your status, your responsibility as a Christian remains the same. Verses 18 and 19 point out something very unique. He talks about those who were circumcised and uncircumcised. In other words, he's talking about Jewish and Gentile relationships in the first century. If you know anything about Jewish and Gentile relationships in the first century, you may know that it, these were very hostile relationships. As a matter of fact, they didn't do relationships too well. So they were strained. They were hostile towards one another. They didn't like one another. Jews were regarded as unsophisticated and sometimes persecuted by the Gentiles. Almost as if we saw somebody walking down the street and they were an Amish person and they didn't believe in uh, uh riding in cars in the middle of Brooklyn. Maybe they didn't believe in riding on trains and all they just seemed foolish in this complex and complicated. World wearing the same clothes every day. It's just just weird and it contrasted with the Gentile worldview. But at the same time, Jews were regarded as unclean by Jews. So Jews see Gentiles coming down the street and they go, ah, ooh. And they step aside, not wanting to touch that thing that's unclean. So they had tense relationships because anybody walked past me talking about, ah, ooh, we got a problem. So so this is the the kind of tension that exists within this culture. But here's the issue. God has called both Jews and Gentiles to salvation in Jesus. So now we go to church, and I got to sit next to the unclean ones and the unsophisticated ones. And we're all supposed to worship and sing to the same God. How is that supposed to work itself out? So I want us to look here, several times Paul uses the word called, which we would uh, uh, refer to as effectual calling, referring to Romans chapter 8, 23 through 30. This is all it says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are what? Called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he predestined those he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So all of that to say this, that's the call of salvation. So when he's talking about calling, he's not talking about what's my particular man should I take this job or that job because you know that's my calling and i don't feel called to that no more cuz i don't i'm not called to burger king but i am called to mcdonald's and so he's not talking about that kind of calling he's talking about the effectual call that only can come from god it's the call to salvation so it's the point that that that, that the gospel of jesus christ captures your heart and convinces your mind to choose to want to serve and submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's the calling that frees your will up to the point where you say, I want to serve Jesus and give him my whole heart and my whole life. So it's that calling that transforms you from the inside out. And so the only way to become a Christian is you have to be called. He calls people to trust in the Lord Jesus. He calls people out of sin into life. So if you're trusting in Jesus today, it's because God has called you. He called you, and he calls you to hear. Many of us grew up in church or grew up around church. It never made sense to us. And then all of a sudden, somebody shared the gospel with us, and it clicked. That was a calling. That moment, God opened your ears so that you could hear. He calls you to hear, understand, and believe the gospel. So Paul, he's already referred to this in chapter one. He's been making the case that man, there's a distinction between those who have been called in Christ. So God calls all kinds of people to faith in Christ. He saves all kinds of people. So in Corinth, now we've got a church. We don't planted this church, and now there's Jews and Gentiles, and we got to hang together, and we got to be family, and we got to be friends by the grace of God, right? Because we come from different backgrounds and different spaces, different cultures. We shouldn't be able to walk alongside one another. But Paul reminds them you didn't have to change your status to become called. You ain't have to change nothing about you to get called. You were walking along in sin, doing your thing. You heard the gospel, all of a sudden, now, oh man, I, there's something in me that's different today than it was yesterday. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I do what I do. I just, I just know that this Jesus has done something to me. And so he's going, okay, listen, listen. You didn't have to change your status in order to respond to the call wholeheartedly. So that's going to be hard for a Jewish person to hear at that time. A Jewish person don't want to hear. He don't want to stop being Jewish to become a Christian. He doesn't have to renounce his ethnicity to walk with Christ. He can still celebrate the festivals and do the things that he's always known to do in his culture. Likewise with Gentiles, he doesn't have to become Jewish. He doesn't have to embrace the cultural status and symbols of the Old Covenant people. He doesn't have to live up or take up the Jewish customs. And ceremonies in order to live wholeheartedly for Jesus? Don't we have certain people that stand on the corner right now that tell us we gotta go back to the old ways? That you gotta follow the laws and the commandments of God, that you were outside of the commandments? But it looks like to me that Jesus says you didn't have to do all of that. I called you in spite of yourself, within a culture, at a time. I'm saying you don't have to renounce all those things because I've made you in the culture that you're in. So sometimes new Christians feel the zeal to live completely for Jesus, and we have this, we feel like we got this responsibility to renounce all things that we come from. Or maybe, like me, when I grew up in church, they said you had to cut that hair off and take that stuff out of your mouth and pull up your pants and do all these things. Then you can come in here. But what I find in Christ is, nah, he saved me as a chubby kid down south listening to rap music who didn't know any better, didn't have to change his dress, who did still talk slang, still lived his life. But now from the inside out, he's changing me within this context. So in their zeal, so listen, you don't have to change your status to walk more humbly with Jesus, to be a better Christian, um. so they were asking the question, should I get married? Should I do all these things? Because I really really live for Jesus. Nah, that's not the case. Uh, none of that is really what's most important. What ultimately matters is this, verse 19, keep the commandments. Verse 19, it says what? Keep the commandments. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision counts for anything but keeping the commandments of God. Ethnic status don't matter. Don't matter where you come from. An astounding thing for a Jewish person to hear because all they knew was being Jewish and that was the plug. That's how you got connected to God. That was what was up. So he's saying that don't matter? Yep, he said that's what don't matter. (laughs) What matters is living in obedience to God, keeping the commandments. So it's different than having the sign of being the people of God. So check this out. You were a Jew. You were the people of God if you could show that you were circumcised. You had to have a sign. What do we know if we read the Old Testament just a little bit? Is that there were many people that were, had the circumcision, but they were not the people of God. They didn't obey God. They didn't believe God. They still worshiped idols. They still wanted to do their own thing. They didn't submit to God and his rule and his law. So what does that matter if you got the sign, but your heart indifferent towards God? So he's going. All right, forget the, forget the little symbol that you one of the people of God. How this is how I know because you submit to me. Right. This is how I know you you are distinct people because you obey me. This is how I know. Matter of fact, this is how I know because you love your enemy. You bless those who curse you. That's how I ah. That's how I know the difference. Not because you wear a certain kind of hat on Sunday. So he makes that distinction. So he's referring to the unchanging, unending moral obligation to do God's ultimate will. He's talking about following the Ten Commandments. He's talking about following after the heart of God. So, so so I don't know if you see what's being taught real right quick. Listen, listen. So, what you were when God saved you, what were you? Were you married? Were you single? Were you a Jew? Were you a Gentile? All of us in here, probably Gentile, okay? None of that stuff really matters. Were you white? Were you black? Were you rich? Were you poor? That's not what's ultimately important for your life. Listen, what's ultimately important is, are you being obedient to King Jesus? Are you being obedient to him? That's what's not, I mean, we get all bogged down in the technicalities. So you don't have to get married to be fully acceptable to God. And you don't have to go off and and take a vow of celibacy to be more holy before God either. (sighs) Serve God faithfully right where you are. Your responsibility as a Christian is to obey God's commandments. And that remains true regardless of your status. Therefore, fulfill your calling no matter where you are and what your situation is. Paul further underscores this by saying this in verses 21 to 23, addressing one of the social realities of the day, slavery and freedom. Second point, your identity as a Christian comes from Jesus. Your identity as a Christian comes from Jesus. Circumstances don't dictate, they don't determine who you are. Were you a slave when you were called to Christ? He says, don't worry about that. Don't think that you're less accepted by God or less able to serve him. So immediately we begin to think, especially as African-Americans, we begin to think chattel slavery. And that thing clicks in our mind and we can't, sometimes it's like a reverberating kind of deafness in our ears after that. But what happens if you're a person who is in slavery? Your identity is wrapped up in the circumstance that you find yourself in. Who I am is represented in the circumstance. But is that the reality? No. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm beautiful. I'm made in God's image. All of these things are true about us. Doesn't matter what. The circumstance. Doesn't matter the circumstance. But what immediately begins to happen is based on my my situation in life, I begin to say, well, I ain't really accepted until I get to this situation in life. That's why I love that the second half. Now, if somebody tells you the Bible said that we couldn't get out of slavery and we did it all wrong, listen to what the second half of the verse says. Avail yourself of the opportunity. So is it right that we fought against slavery? You doggone right. Avail yourself of the opportunity to do what you have to do to gain your freedom. But even in the midst of your bondage, you were a freed man in Christ. What gives, you, what gives you the heart to fight against injustice in the world is that I'm a freed man in Christ. That I'm made in his image. That he loves me in spite of me or my circumstance. That I ain't got to have a certain amount of money that I ain't got to come from a certain place of privilege. Nah, he died for me. So, your identity, he's changing your identity. You're a Lord's freedman. Were you free when you were called to Christ? Look at how, listen to how he flips it. Were you a freedman when you were called to Christ? Yes, I was. I'm proud to be free. Then you're the Lord's slave, and you're a slave of Christ. Therefore, you must do what he tells you to do. Ah, uh, that's got to be hard for the brother that was sitting in the front with the suit on, feeling like, yeah, see, I ain't one of them slaves back there that got to sit in the back. No, no, you're the, you're the first in line to, to slavery, brother. And so what is he going on to say? Don't think you're less, man, don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. And matter of fact, he goes on even further in verse 23. You were bought with a price. You so free, man, you was bought, and you were expensive too, so I expect a lot out of you. How do we know that we're expensive because we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus? So we must not miss what Paul is doing here. He's arguing against any. Notion that your identity changes your circumstance, that your identity is determined by your circumstance or your situation. When God calls you, your identity becomes bound up in him, not your situation, not your status, not your job, not your ethnicity, any past or any association. All of that falls back to your identity that's bound up in Christ. So, when God calls you, you become identified with Jesus Christ. You become identified with his life. You become identified with his death. You become identified with his resurrection. It saves you, and your identity becomes new in him. You're literally a Christian. What's a Christian? A little Christ. So, we can say, man, I'm a Baltimorean, I'm a Floridian. I'm a Brooklyn native. I'm all these things. But first and foremost, before all of that, before I'm black, before I'm white, before I'm rich, before I'm poor, I'm Christ. I am in him, and he is in me. And we walk together, and he leads me forward. So it doesn't matter if, man, if you are unemployed or you are the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You are both Christ's freed man, and you are his slave. Doesn't matter if you're independently wealthy or you're living below the poverty line, struggling in the projects. What is it? Jesus has purchased you by his very own blood. So your circumstances like your status are important, but they are not ultimately important for a follower of Jesus Christ. You can follow God, you can glorify God. Hear me. You can glorify God whether you're married or unmarried, Jew or Gentile, slave or free broke with money, unemployed, got a major job, you're an entrepreneur, it don't matter. One of the greatest 19th century American preachers in the South, down in Virginia, his name was John Jasper. He preached for 60 years, and his his congregation had thousands, thousands of people He had governors, legislators, judges who all sat under his ministry. John Jasper was born in 1812 as a slave on a plantation. And after being converted at the age of 25, began to to tell people about Jesus. He was soon asked to preach and spent the first 25 years of his ministry as a slave. He may have had a human master, but he wasn't concerned about that human master. He had a higher master. How is it that he could stand before judges and legislators and slave owners and tell them they had to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ? He's able to do that because if your identity is in your circumstance, then you're locked in. I can't do that. Who am I? I can't say that. They expect me to do this? Man, ain't no way. You know who I am? You know where I come from? You know the stuff that I've dealt with? Nah, I can't do that. But if your identity is in Christ, whatever he tells you to do, you step out and you do it. So he wasn't concerned about that because he knew he was the Lord's freed man. And he had been bought with a price. He didn't let his identity be determined by his circumstances, but rather he took it from his relationship with the Lord and Master Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, take your identity from Him and not your circumstances. For us, man, is I know it's hard sometimes because everything around us is telling us that your circumstances are what is what ultimately important. It's what's ultimately important. How many Facebook likes? How many Instagram likes? What's your job like? Are you in the position that you want to be in? Most of us live in the past or we live in the future, but we never live in the present. We get into this whole situation. Man, do you know what happened to me when I was young? You know what I went through? You know how hard it was? You know all that? And we get caught up in that, okay? And there's real issues with that. Or we get caught up in the future. If only I could get this job. I'm telling you, when I get put on, then I'm going to start really living for Jesus. Then I'm going to start, man, because we got dreams, visions, and we're focused on the the future and what we're going to do when. But what about today? Isn't that God has placed you in a season, in a particular place, at a particular time in history, created you just the way that you are for right now? Why? Because the past is gone, tomorrow ain't promised, but we have today. So I've gotta live for him and maximize the time, energy and efforts that I have right now for his glory today. Are you trusting in Jesus? And if that's true, then your identity comes from him no matter your circumstance. So your responsibility as a Christian It's to obey God's commandments no matter what your status is. Your identity as a Christian comes from Jesus, not your circumstance. That brings us to the bottom line of what Paul is saying in this section. Fulfill your calling no matter where you are. Because of what? My third point. Because your life has been designed by God to be lived with God. Your life has been designed by God. God has called you to himself. Amen? He says, yeah. I got called, I didn't know what was going on, then the Lord saved me, plucked me out of the fly, the fire. I didn't know what was happening, somebody shared the gospel with me. Now my whole life has changed. So He was sovereign in saving you. Is it possible that he's sovereign in placing you? So, you don't have to listen, you don't have to plan a church. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to have the biggest Facebook following. You don't have to have any of those things. What do you have to do? Follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Right here, right now. Brothers and sisters, not only has God savingly called you, he's also providentially assigned you to your post. Listen to how it reads in verse 17. Listen, listen. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has Called him. I know some of us will say, man, Charlie, if you only knew my circumstance and my situation, then you'd understand why I'm holding back the way I am. Or I'm strategizing and I'm I'm waiting and I'm preparing. Your situation ain't caught God off guard. God ain't shocked that you got laid off. God ain't God ain't shocked that at your position in life that you had to go back and move with your mom. He ain't shocked. He ain't shocked that you got a you ain't got a car. He ain't shocked that you ain't got as much money in the bank as you thought you would have at this point in your life. He ain't shocked that you still single. He ain't shocked that you got married and she ain't what you thought she was going to be and all of that. He ain't shocked that you man, maybe your kids is bad and you thought they was going to be angels and they rough and all that kind of stuff. He ain't shocked by any of that stuff. God ain't shocked by none of that. Maybe he's put you there for a certain reason at a certain time, for such a time as this. Maybe you're at a job right now with that person that you know you just can't stand, you ain't looking forward to tomorrow. And so you're just like, man, I'm tired of this. But maybe he's put you there just so you could bring that light of salvation to them. Maybe you're unemployed in this season, man, so that you could draw nearer to Christ rather than draw near to the bank account. Maybe you don't have as many Instagram followers because you ain't following Christ, but you're following everybody else. Maybe as he's placing you in a particular season to grow you and stretch you and to sanctify you so that you begin to look more like Jesus and not look more like your old self. So he ain't caught off guard by all the, man, if you only knew, he ain't caught off guard. He's going, no, I got you right where I want you. And that's hard for some of us. Therefore, this, live for God right where you are right now. That's the universal responsibility of every single Christian. How do we know that? Verse 17 says, this is my rule in all the churches, that wherever you were when you got called, that's what I want you to do. Now, I'm not saying, man, Charlie, so can I plan for next year and all that? Yes, please plan. Please prepare. Please get ready for the next thing, or or please strategize and do all those things. But don't get so far into the future that you forget the present, and don't get so trapped in the past that that you can't function. Live for God right now. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. And listen, man, if God called you and you were stealing, stop stealing. <laughs> Some of y'all need to repent right now because it got to 444 and you was like, man, I don't know. I know I'm going to go to church on Sunday, but I'm going to repent. And then it ain't stealing, but it's stealing. But I don't know. I'm going to just listen to it. Then buy it. Well, whatever. <laughs> so whatever the case may be, listen, Ephesians 428 says what? Let him who stole steal no longer. Let him who's having sex stop having sex until you get married. Whatever your case may have been, him who was proud, stop being proud. Humble yourself and sit down. <laughs> whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, so I'm not saying we don't get the change and Charlie just saying I just got living this boring life and he don't know. No, no, no. I'm not saying all that. What I am saying is this maximize your life right now today. Right. The opportunity. Don't look past them and say, man, I just, I can't wait to get out of here. So many of us, man, I look back at high school sometimes. Had I know what I know now. That's what you need to start asking old heads about. Don't ask them about this particular spouse or that. Ask them about their regrets. Had we know what we know now, had I been walking with Christ the way I'm walking with him now, would I have transformed my high school, my college campus, my my workplace, would I have done things differently And then we find ourselves in similar circumstances that we're in a hurry to get out of. So maximize it right now. So the point is this, unless your job or living arrangements is inherently contrary to God's commandments, man, settle in and say, God, how would you use me in this place right now? If you're a child, if you're a parent, if you're childless, if you're single, if you're married, honor the Lord where you are. Do not think you have to change your status. Don't think you have to change. If you're rich, poor, business owner, day laborer, honor the Lord. God is with you where you are, so fulfill your calling by living for him right now. I'm going to close with this. Has God called you to faith in Jesus Christ? Can you honestly say That you are among the called of God. Not called to do some special ministry. I I got some special anointing. Not all of that. We're talking about are you called of God, walking with Jesus? If not, then why not? It's not because, listen, check this out. It's not because God is not giving you the opportunity to hear the good news. How do I know that? Because God made sure that you were here this Sunday morning at this time to hear this particular message. That's how meticulous God is. Check this out. The same God, we would easily ascribe this, that God knows every hair on your head, that he's collected every teardrop you've ever cried into your pillow. The same God is meticulous in ordering your steps of your life, whether you know him or you don't know him. So he has meticulously placed you in a situation to where you can hear about Jesus this particular morning. So if you are not trusting in God, I plead with you to, to, to come to Christ. Call out to him and believe and repent. It's the good news. He will order your steps. He will give you, he will give you new man. You talk about Snapchat filters. He will give you a new filter for your life how you view everything changes through the lens of the gospel. So I'm pleading with you to come to know Christ if you're not called of Christ. If he has called you, then live with him right now. Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. I don't care if nobody don't know you where you at. You better bloom and show off the glory of Christ in that particular situation at your house, at work, in school, wherever While you have the breath in your body, order your life in such a way that you are seeking and doing his will. Do not fall into the trap of saying, if only I could. I'll be more hospitable. I'll give more money. I'll do this. I'll serve. I'll volunteer. I'll try out that ministry. If only. Nah. God may change your status or your circumstance at some point, but your primary calling... As a Christian, will never change. And what is that calling? To genuinely, earnestly live for Jesus right now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. It's, It's interesting that Jesus is referred to as coming at the proper time. That God, you came at a certain point in history, at a particular time. Lord, I pray that we would not be those who were trapped in the past, maybe by hurt, maybe by circumstances, maybe by difficulties, maybe by trauma. Lord, I pray that you would free us from our past and those things that would seek to shape our identity. Lord, may we find our identity in you. I pray, Lord, that you would also help us not to be so consumed with the future that we we neglect the present. Lord, what are you calling us to this afternoon? Maybe we'll go to lunch. Maybe we'll have the opportunity to pray for a waitress or a server. Lord, give, give us eyes to see the way that you see right now. Lord, and I pray that you would order our steps so that we can really live out the extent of our lives to your glory and your namesake, not because we were trapped in some, some future or past logic, but because every single day we woke up knowing that, man, Lord, I want to make today count for you. Would you do that in us, O oh God? And God, people that, that are here in their identities and uh, are shaped by circumstances— So many are in here that are fatherless. So many are in here that uh, 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 that have been molested and have gone through trauma. So many of us have inferiority complexes and self-hatred. So many of us in here are desiring, man, if I only had a man, if I only had a woman, then I would be validated. Oh God, would you help us to see that our identity is in you, the risen son, Jesus, that you created us, you formed us, and that you had thoughts and dreams about us from before eternity began. So Lord, will we maximize the situations that we've gone through for your glory? May we care for those who are heartbroken because we know what heartbreak is like. May we encourage and inspire those who are downtrodden because we know what it means to be a victor and an overcomer. May we no longer be slaves to our addictions, Lord, but may we walk in with our head up high knowing that you've called us to yourself. May you do these things in us, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.